Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Just let your soul glow. Just let it shine through. Just let your special treat for you this evening a young man that you all know is joe the policeman from the what's going down episode of that's my mama i want you to put your hands together and welcome him to the stage big round of applause for jackson heights own mr randy watson yes randy watson <laughs> hello and welcome to episode 23 of ai movie night I'm your host, Joe Simpson, and tonight I'm joined by two great guests to discuss Coming to America. Firstly, I'm joined by Harinder Singh, Anfield Index regular, and obviously many of you will know him in particular from the excellent AI Desi podcast. How are you, Harinder? I'm very well. Thank you very much for having me on, Joe. Oh, thanks very much for coming Ma- on. And, uh, much fated and much waited for. <laughs> yes, it took a while with a few twists and turns, but, but we're here at last, mate, and I, I cannot wait to hear your thoughts, so thanks for joining me. And I'm also lucky enough to be joined by another great Anfield Index regular, Joseph Cousins. How are you, Joe? I'm all good, I'm all good, Joe. Um, episode 23, movie night, wow. I think oh, I was on episode no. 3. So, um, yeah, thanks for having me back. <laughs> oh, mate, it's, it's great to have you on again. I love hearing your thoughts on football, films, and pretty much anything. So, great to have awesome. you on, mate. And uh, thanks to you both for your patience. This one's been a long time coming. We've had a few twists and turns, but we're here at last. And I'm just uh, eager to hear your thoughts because I know how much you both love it. So, I'm just going to get straight into it, really. Obviously, uh, this is the first comedy we, we've talked about on the podcast, and obviously I really like it, and you two do as well. I'm just wondering what made Coming to America so memorable in terms of all those great comedies that this was the one you wanted to discuss, Joseph? Um, really good story, I think. Um, that, that's, you know, comedies these days, I think what they lack is a really good plot. Um and um, this one stands out. I, I can watch it over and over because it's uh, it is well written. I think I think Eddie Murphy wrote it, didn't he? Um, and um, it's just it's it, it's a bit of parody. Um, the, the bit love story there. It's the, the, there's some serious moments as well, um, few and far between. Um, and the the cast is good, and it's it's just really well performed. Um, some some strong performances in it, and um, it's just absolutely hilarious throughout, really. 
Um, and you know, we'll go into detail a bit later. I'm, I'm, I'm sure, but um, yeah, it's just there's so many, there's so many one-liners in it. There's so many scenes that stand out. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just one of those sort of epic movies where you can say a line. Um, and everyone will sort of know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know exactly what you mean, mate. Uh, just as an example, I was just wa- watching a bit of it before before the pod. Then, and my better half saw a bit of it, and and she was laughing straight away. She didn't have to, you know, start from the beginning or or anything like that. She could have walked in at near enough any point in the film. And she'd yeah. have been laughing because there's that many laughs in it. And no, I, I totally agree with your thoughts there. What about you, Harinda? Um, I think it's probably one of the seminal movies of the 80s, right? I suppose mm-hmm. the passage of rights as you're growing up. For me, much like what um, Cuzzy said, it's the lines. The movie is absolutely <laughs> laden with cracking quotes, which will still seem fresh today. I say that having run, um, for want of a better word, a team <laughs> and this is quite a team in the most loosest kind of sense we're all very good friends and what used to get us through the day of very very long hours and annoyances and pain used to be quotes from the film and just things that would we would just literally pass um, a bounce off each other with regards to that i mean who doesn't think of calling someone the sweat from someone's baboon's balls at the moment of <laughs> anger it's those little things you know it's those comedy that can have you in stitches today even though you watched it a thousand times it's also Bollywood, man. Come on, guys. It's so desi. It's unreal. Look, Overture is a good coming, overcoming evil. Cinderella, almost. You know, poor girl. Yeah. In, well, in comparison, really, she's not that poor. <laughs> of meeting a prince. Uh, an Indian immigrant cultural crossovers. It's fantastic. The cultural crossover is hilarious on so oh, yeah. many levels. New immigrants working any job to get a foothold to build something. Indian. Usually a franchise, Indian. In America, 100% Indian. The whole parents arranging a marriage for their son or daughter, Indian. And the associated pushback too. <laughs> it, it is so this, it's unbelievable. But I, I just think it's just a cracking movie. All of those things put together to make that um, melting pot of what makes something that just sticks with you for years. Oh yeah, so some great po- points there. Yeah, I I hadn't thought of that the, the Desi connection, and you know, it, it's interesting, isn't it? It does have so many similarities with, you know, fish out of water, other fish out of water comedies, and you know, that that type of thing. But it, I think, all the different aspects of those films, that they're all at the peak in this, which I'd say elevates it above the vast majority and makes it so special and, you know, so memorable. Obviously, you know, it's many years ago now it was made and the fact we can all remember quotes from it and scenes and things without even re-watching it just as a a testament to how good it is. And, you know, I'm I'm so glad to be discussing it, really. Obviously, Eddie Murphy was a, a superstar at the time and he'd, you know... He, he he was in a great period, you know. Few 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 stars have had periods to rival that, you know. Was, he he was an absolute superstar. Are you a big fan of Eddie Murphy in general? And if so, why, Harinda? Um, I think he was massive in the eighties, right? Just like you say, yeah. if you look at defining comedians, he seemed to carry on almost where Richard Pryor left off a little bit. Mm-hmm. So Hollywood seemed to be screaming out for someone like him that was young, sassy, and, and had really engaging mannerisms that had you hooked from the off. So you look at the both Beverly Hill Cop 
um, films of the 80s and going into the, um, I suppose, the beginning of the 90s, Trading Places, Golden Child, for, I think 48 Hours was his first film. And then in the middle of all that, you had Raw, which is the stand-up. And Raw has any, if anyone's never watched Raw, if you want a real Eddie Murphy, go and watch Raw. Because that will seal it for you in regards to him being the seminal comedian of his culture of the 80s. He was absolutely fantastic at anything he touched. I think that was it for me. Um, sadly, though, I also think that, you know, what, coming to America is almost his peak. You know, it starts tailing off after that and things start getting a bit murky going into the 90s and 2000s and where he is now. Um, but I think we'll discuss that later more than anything else. But yeah, I, I just think he had that it factor of what Hollywood needed during that period. Yeah, no, totally agree. And I think I've read quotes from him as well saying, you know, he he felt as as a black American to some extent, they they it needed someone like him to break through. Obviously Richard Pryor was huge as well, but I, I would say Murphy probably went to an even higher level of superstardom in films and it was so refreshing that he got to like, you know, like you mentioned, 48 hours and things. He, he said things like, you know, to be able to do that bar scene and that where he takes on the rednecks and that, that was sort of unheard of for, for a black American star. And he didn't just do it. He did it and did it amazingly well. And just, you know, with that charisma and that, you know, he, he sort of had everything, didn't he, at, at that time. And, you know, as you say, I think this probably was, you know, the end of that sort of golden period for him, as far as I can remember anyway. But I'm glad that he still had things like Donkey and things like that in Shrek, where he's still shown, he's still got that magic. He just maybe doesn't get to produce it as much for, for whatever reasons these days. But now it's a fantastic period. What about yourself, uh, Joe? I must say, I agree with everything you guys have said. Um, I would say it's probably the first black mainstream Hollywood superstar. I know there's Richard mm-hmm. Pryor before that, but um, I can't think of I can't think of any sort of major Hollywood releases that Pryor um, was the lead actor in. Um, so he, Eddie, Eddie um, had his first sort of big role in Forty Eight Hours, where it was him and Nick, and Nick Nolte. You'd, you'd probably consider him as the the co-star in that. Um, and also in Trading Place is probably the co-star as well, even though he's, he's, he's got a heavy, he's got a massive role with both him and Dan Aykroyd in that. But then from Beverly Hills Cop, he's, he carries that. So his, his charisma really carries that film. And um, it's a massive, it's a massive, um, a massive hit, that film. And then he goes on, he does the, um, the Delirious stand-up, which is, for me, as funny as Raw, but probably not as, um, as universally sort of um, acclaimed. Um, and then he, he yeah, he, he has that golden period as, as you guys have, have, have mentioned where he does, um, the golden child, um, in 86, which is, um, not, it's not, not a great film, but for me, really funny and, and showcases his comedy really well. You've got Beverly Hills Cop 2, then you've got Roy, he did Beverly Hills Cop 2 and Roy in the same year, massive year for him. And then coming to America in 1988, which I agree with you guys, I think coming to America was his, was his peak, um, in 88. And then um, it, start, it starts to tail off slightly with Harlem Nights and then another 48 hours. And I uh, just checked I just checked Rotten Tomatoes and, and they've given another 48 hours 15%. I know it wasn't great, but I didn't think it was that bad, <laughs> badly received. <laughs> no, so um, I think from that, that period between sort of 1982 when he does 48 hours and then coming to America is that that sort of six year period is, is huge. He's an absolute superstar. Um, 
yeah, just just recognised across the world on the front of all the magazines, does modelling, you know, um, just crossover really, and a massive part of pop culture. I, I loved him. He was a sort of um, like an iconic figure for me, and um, just sort of being as as I said earlier, sort of the first sort of black superstar for Hollywood. Um, I think that was a big thing as well. I, I think it was a he's a trailblazer really in in that sense. Yes. A lot of, lot of great points made by you both there. I think it, it's interesting as well. He, 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 we're going to talk about this a bit more now, but he said, in a way, some of the inspiration for this film was through being such a big star. He he couldn't tell whether women wanted them for himself or for the status and his money. And I think he the, there's interviews where he talk about meeting the likes of Sylvester Stallone, and he basically say like because he was in that sort of rarefied air of, you know, there's a handful of people with that level of fame in the world at any one time. He said they would have conversations where they could just totally relate to each other because so few people would know what it would be like, you know, the experience of being that famous. And he said, obviously, a key part of that was, you know, trying to find, you know, a woman who, who liked them for himself. And I love that that played into the inspiration for this to some degree. And uh, just one of the, the many things that I find interesting about it. We're now going to discuss uh, the characters themselves and and the performances with a, a bit more detail. So, uh, firstly, uh, what are your thoughts on the character of Prince Akeem and Eddie Murphy's performance, Joe? Um, well, fantastic performance. Um the the Prince Hakeem character is for me is 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 really believable. Um, it, you know, it's a parody. Like the, the opening scenes are quite absurd when you, where you have the you know the huge palace in the middle of um, in, the, in, in the middle of all these trees, um, and you know the way it sort of plays out with um, with these servants and what have you. So it's it's it's, it's really it's it's a it's a big time parody there, and it's it, it's really funny. But his the way he does the role is is quite subtle, um, so it doesn't come off too much as a piss take. Um, I have seen some some people um, sort of complain about um, the fact that he it's a bit it's a bit ignorant towards you know um, people from Africa, and um, you know I I sort of always treated it as as more of a sort of you know parody comedy, but I, I have sort of heard the other side of it. You know that it's a bit it sort of displays the ignorance that you know Black Americans can have against um, people from Africa, but I think it I think it does that from a from a sort of a more of a comedic um, standpoint rather than a you know from an ignorant standpoint. So I think I think the way he plays the character is 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 um is really good. It's subtle. Um, the accent is good for me. Um, you sort of forget that he is American. I think he plays the foreigner really well. Um, he plays the immigrant well, and that the, the scene the scene that sort of sort of sums up sums up his performance for me is when he um he comes out the airport and he um he stands in front of the car and he, and he, and, he, and he goes halt and um and and the cab and the cab stops and calls him a dumb fuck that that sort of there's a gift there's a gift for that scene and I think it sums up his performance on as as a whole in that I think it's brilliant. Oh no, no, the, even the fact that you just you tell him. You know, re- recounting one of the scenes can make me laugh. Tells you how good it is that I can it prompt prompt laughter just by re- being retold. Well, what about yourself, Arinda? Um, it's really interesting. So when it comes to Eddie Murphy, especially when it comes to this movie, reading up for what other people's takes were on it and the history behind it and all that kind of stuff. There's a great interview with John Landis, mm-hmm. and John Landis openly states that you know they fell out. Like completely fell out during this film. He goes, you know what? When he was on 
on the set with him for coming to America. They clashed because he was such a pig and he was so rude to people. And he said, we had a good working relationship, but our personal relationship changed because he felt he was a superstar, that everyone had to kiss his ass. He was a jerk, but great. In fact, one of the greatest performances he's ever given. That's quote unquote from John Landis, the director. Mm-hmm. Now, when you think of it with that backdrop, you think, how can that be the case? Because on screen, Prince Akeem is played by Eddie Murphy in such a down-to-earth kind of manner. You know, he's just your regular yeah. Joe Simpson almost against a <laughs> set of privileged background where he's done next to nothing for himself. I mean, that whole seeming, the whole show of Prince Akeem's character is flawless in that perspective because it never at once do you sit there and feel that Prince Akeem comes across as a man of privilege whenever he's working, talking, doing anything in any of his scenes. So Eddie Murphy has absolutely nailed it, in my opinion, for how they wanted um, Prince Akeem to go down and how people, how how I suppose people wanted him um, to be portrayed as somebody, you know, who may have come from everything, but realises that that's not everything in itself, that there's more to life. So I think he's very, very good for that. No, I couldn't agree more. I think, uh, as you say, it's, it, 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 I hadn't thought of it in that way, but you're right, it's even more impressive that with all the sort of stardom and probably being treated like a god and all that type of thing, that he is able to give that performance of someone so so humble and down to earth, as you say. I mean, when you look at it, if you think about the casting, there's only one person probably in that whole cast, which is definably bigger than him, both in character and in size and in reputation, which is James Earl Jones. Mm-hmm. Eddie and himself would be looking at that thinking, yep, I'm the man, because he produced it, right? So Eddie Murphy's the producer, mm-hmm. and he then tagged yeah. along John Landis, his mate from Trading Places and Direction, to direct it. So as I said, I just found it interesting in the, as, a, as a backdrop that those the director and the producer have fallen out, and yet... The reasoning for the fallout, you can't even tell because of the yeah. way that he portrays the character. It's just no. amazing. No, very good points there. And I think, interestingly, that that producer thing, uh, a, a producer-director relationship, I think Eddie Murphy tells it that's part of the problem from his perspective. He was expecting to to have a lot more control because he, he brought him onto the picture, John Landis. But obviously John Landis is coming in as normal and just saying, I'm the director, so, you know, I'm in charge here. And I think that led to a lot of the clashes. But as you say, you, you can't tell on screen because it's so good. So they clearly, whatever the difference is, they got past them and just produced the magic we saw on screen. I think one of the things that I really love about it is obviously most of the films we mentioned earlier in that golden period, Eddie Murphy was the the loud streetwise character, you know, and would often be cursing and, you know, that type of thing. And, you know, and in this, he's the straight man and he's very quiet and, and innocent and even naive at times. And, and, and he's so good at it that you forget it's Eddie Murphy, the guy who does these these stand-ups where he's swearing his head off and does these films where he's, you know, the opposite of being, you know, quiet. And it, it, it he's just so good. He, he, he does give that character. And I know it's a comedy and I do have a tendency to talk about some films it probably in more depth than they deserve in some ways. But I do think he gave that, that performance. He gave it a real heart that, you know, elevates the film so much you know it, it's got a real heart as well as you know the 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 humorous side to it and just just brilliant 
Um, we're now going to look at the character of Semi and Arsenio Hall's performance. Um, what were your thoughts on, on that, Harinda? So, Semi for me is very interesting. Um, and for years, I never could quite work it out. So I always... I always presumed that he was meant to be the annoying version of Akeem in the sense that he truly brought into his associated privilege and so on and so forth. <laughs> what I could never quite work out, though, is whether he was Akeem's servant, best mate, or relative. And when you think about the myriad of theories that are out there, the one that kind of sits nicely with me is that it's his brother, but younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and what makes what kind of makes sense of that, um, to that is the fact that you don't actually see him um, putting down any of the rose petals. You don't actually see him being subservient really in regards to Akeem apart from when Akeem tells him off um to go to work so you know Akeem sorry semi get out go I don't want to go to work you will go to work they kind of you know something like your big brother as from an ethical background sorry ethnic ethnical background I can imagine someone who's my big brother turning around saying to me yeah expletive expletive horrendous get up gets your ass to work so on and so forth and being told off by it came across more like that and also what servants did you see wearing gold yeah you know those big gold chunky bracelets or um i suppose shoulder straps anything else going around (laughs) you know you can't i can't think of the words because there's nothing like yeah it's like a, (laughs) a sash made of gold and you just wouldn't see that yeah, it doesn't didn't make any sense. So, also, could you think of the repercussions of a servant mimicking a prince? And I'm thinking about when Lisa's sister saying that you know Kim's not the <laughs> prince, Semi is. You know, oh, love it. Who, who'd would a servant really get away with that? Uh, no, I don't think so. So, I, I think Arsenio Hall portrayed Semi really, really well in that sense uh, of being sort of the arrogant douchebag um, that we kind of presumed that Eddie Murphy would play or could play really easily given some of his other roles in life yeah. <laughs> to that point in time. No, uh, you, you're right. Uh, Eddie Murphy could, I think you're right. He could do that role standing on his head. And I think it's uh, showed he, he wants to do something different to, to try and show that he can play more of the straight man and let somebody else have the more showier role, and I think it really works because Arsenio Hall is is just fantastic, and some of the lines he has and some of the reaction shots you get of him are just you know priceless, and you know just just oh, totally. really love that. Totally, oh. I think it's a shame that they only did one movie after that together, which is um, the fate, the much fated um, Harlem Nights. Mm. But yeah, what no, could have been, hey? Yeah, it, it is a pity because when you've got that magic, as you say, obviously Harlem Knights didn't, didn't work out, but I do think it would have been great to see more of them together because they just had a brilliant chemistry together. It was just, I don't know, just, I don't know, just two people working perfectly together and just elevating each other to a higher level, really. Or that's how it felt to me. What about yourself, Joe? I thought his performance was great. I thought it was, um, Almost at the level of of, of Eddie's performance, it, it's fantastic. And you said the chemistry between them is is really good. Um, I always saw um, his the semi semi's um, character as the um, as the like the personal assistant, so a servant, but you know a high ranking. You know, probably yeah. come from a, a, a higher stock himself, rich family. Um, so he does enjoy privilege as well. Um, but yeah, I, I did get the, I did um, sort of have the impression that he was, he was a servant, but just, you know, 
a higher ranking one, a bit like Oha. Um, if you remember Oha, um, <laughs> who, who used to do all the people about at the beginning of the. Um, of I, the film, I am not singing that song. <laughs> <laughs> singing, singing the Queen song. <laughs> um, yeah, because um, yeah, he 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 did it. He's told at the end of the day, anytime you know, he, he was told what to do from um, from Akim. Um, and I think what the giveaway was is when um, he lied um, when he when he when he told was it Patrice that um, he was he was the prince, and then Eddie asked him, "So if you were the prince, uh, who am I?" <laughs> and he was like sheepishly said, uh, "My servant." <laughs> that sort of thing you get, like, you, like, sort of gives that away, but um, yeah, I, I thought it was brilliant. So the semi character is fantastic, and obviously he plays a couple of other cameo um, oh. characters as well, which are absolutely hilarious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's really talented, us our senior hall, um, oh. and it's it's a shame that because he got blacklisted um, a few years after that film, which is probably why you never saw. Um, um, him and Eddie do any any sort of films afterwards after Harlem Nights. Um, you've got um, he had a TV show, didn't he? That was that was weekly. I think um, he brought on. Um, I don't know if you guys know the, the of the Nation of Islam, um, oh, yeah. and their yeah. their leader um, Louis Farrakhan. So at, at this time, I think in the in around the late eighties, early nineties, he was quite a very controversial figure. He's not as much so now because he's a bit more low key. But at the time. Um, I think he brought Farrakhan onto his show, and not too long after that, they cancelled the series. They never, they never renewed it, and um, I think that was pretty much the end of him as an A-list celebrity. Um, and yeah, so his, his career sort of dwindled after that. It, it's um, he's done some bigger stuff since, but a, a long time after, you know, where his sort of peak um, had, 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 had gone. So that was a shame, really, because the two of them, I think, could have could have been. A similar double act to um, Richard Pryor and um, and Gene Wilder. They had that sort of chemistry between them. Um, so it's a shame that, that it, it didn't sort of progress um, to, to 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 the level of coming to America after that film. Um, but yeah, um, but I I really I really loved the character and believable as well. His accent was good. And, um, you know, he, he didn't sound like an American trying to be an African, <laughs> which I think is one of the biggest compliments you could probably pay it. No, uh, so many great points by you both there. I didn't know that that about the blacklist, and that certainly makes it more um, understandable that I didn't see so much of him. If there was, you know, he'd actually been blacklisted. Uh, I did wonder what happened to him because looking back now, you you see him in that role be so good, and I always just assumed, oh, maybe he's just gone back to TV and just stayed you know, doing the TV presenting and things like that. But I didn't know there was more to it. And that's, that's why he didn't get the film role. So it's interesting that obviously there's so many memorable performances in this. And obviously you've just touched on as well, you know, the fact that both Murphy and Hall do so many other performances in this one. So do any of those stand out or any other characters or performance stand out for you, Joe? Reverend Brown um, is an absolute classic. <laughs> Probably my favourite scene in the whole film is the Reverend Brown scene. Um, um, he also plays the woman that they meet at the bar, so like the, the drag queen that they meet. You know, when they go to the bar um, and they meet, they meet, they meet women. That is a hilarious scene, um, and it's funny because you've got you've got our senior in, in the, playing two characters in the same scene. Um, he's trying to chat when he's trying to chat up. Um, Prince Hakeem and then at the end of it he says oh, and I want to tear you apart and he looks at he looks at 
<laughs> Semi's character and says, and um, and your friend too. Um, and he reacts <laughs> by spitting out the water. It's those those little things, um, really, that's that make it so funny. Um, so yeah, the the Reverend Brown character is absolutely classic. Um, absolutely classic. He, he plays he plays the preacher to a T. Um, and then obviously, um, you have the other uh, roles that Eddie plays. Eddie plays several roles. The Randy Watson, which is you know, again, <laughs> absolutely fantastic absolutely hilarious um and then the barbershop where he, he's he plays what two two different two characters in, in the barbershop is it the, the jewish guy and, yeah. and, and the actual and the barber himself and you know a lot of people watching that didn't realize that the um he plays the actually plays the jewish guy because you can't really see it for me you can't see it you can tell no. with the mannerisms maybe and um and 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 the voice um but just looking at him the makeup is fantastic it is it's only at the end when you see the credits come up in it and you know each main character or each character and it has the actor's name underneath and you see eddie murphy and a lot of people are like wow i didn't know that was him it just showcased his um, overall talent really to play so many um so many different roles and it's something he does it does a bit in the in the raw stand-up as well which makes that brilliant but um yeah yeah Oh yes, just just hearing all the different mentions of the the different characters they play, and it just brings a smile to your face, and you know, just just wonderful performances by them both. What about yourself, Arinda? Is there any any of those characters, maybe, or any other characters and performances that particularly stand out for you? In regards to the performances and characters, no, because I think because he's touched on them both when it comes to Arsenio and to Eddie. But one bit that always makes me laugh without fail is i suppose when it has the film itself has its own east is east type moment and by saying that i don't mean when he sees a photograph of somebody and then sits there and thinks okay what the heck's going on here but when the queen's coming in the lady who brings the queen in so you just got this big mama coming through pushing everyone out the way shouting and screaming her business and then you just he's thinking who is this you know is this the introduction is this the actual queen and then you see her you see the look on his face that the screen grabs and it's just a picture. Absolute delight. <laughs> and you know what? Your whole world will flash before your eyes at that very moment. The, the, the relief. The relief. <laughs> no, no, it's more like, what the fuck have my parents done here? <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of Desi people listening to the show probably feel that one as well. You know, so like, especially when it comes to something like an arranged marriage or the assisted marriage or even that cultural bit where your mum and dad sometimes sit you down and go, hi, son, daughter, you know what? It's about time you got married. And, you know, we've been thinking about this for some time. And wouldn't you like to go and meet so on and so forth? And I just sat there and thought, what, a, you know, they have it down to a T where you see somebody like, oh, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> Quite literally, as this big mama comes through. And then all of a sudden she goes, and now presenting the queen. And you know, your face is like, oh, thank God. <laughs> so, yeah, that that to me has been is one of the seminal, um, because it sets everything so fantastically. Yeah, um, that they can send themselves up a little bit. So, like that part is is key for me is in regards to her performance. But yeah, as as Kazia said, the barbershop. I think the barbershop in itself deserves its own section by its own right because there is so much going on with that barbershop, and there's so many little things that you can pick up on, and um, all of them are genius. All of them are genius. The one person I do feel sorry for and. I'll give him a shout out now. It's Cuba Gooding Jr., who simply gets referenced to as Boy Getting Haircut. That's it. <laughs> he's Boy Getting Haircut. He's boy not Cuba haircut. Gooding Jr. Yeah. Oh. No, he's Boy Getting Haircut. 
God bless him. <laughs> oh, I'm glad just both of gave major love to the barber scenes. They're, they're just brilliant, aren't they? They're like it, 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 it's crazy to me. Like like yourselves reading up on it, you know. I think because uh, he touched on this, some of the critics at the time didn't realise it was them playing the characters, which obviously is a credit to them uh, and the makeup artists. And because of that, totally didn't get those scenes at all and, and sort of they were lost on them. And, I, it, you know, and it just, it just, I, I, it's crazy to me how that can happen because every time I see them, they just, just have me in bulk. They're just so, so good. Um, but they got I, Oscar, I suppose, they got nominated for an Oscar for that. Oh, for best makeup so. and best costumes. Oh, deservedly so. So, so, so good. So good. I think the the other performance that stands out for me that hasn't been mentioned yet is Eric LaSalle as Daryl. I just think he is so <laughs> good at being arrogant and ignorant and that sneering attitude. And, you know, it's just, even just so many of his things, like where he says, take care of this, will you? And launches the milkshake and things like that. Or like where... Um, he hides when Samuel L. Jackson does does the armed robbery, and afterwards he's like, "I would have helped out, but I had a coffee or whatever." He says, and I just think, "Oh, he's so good!" And just just the faces he pulls, or like, I think that's what this film. A lot of great comedies have this, have thousands, hundreds of thousands of moments, tiny little moments that are hilarious in different ways. So even just like. The bit where he does his hair in the car with the soul glow and then looks in the mirror and does a smile just makes me laugh every time because it's just something about him, the way he looks with that hair and he's just perfect at being arrogant. It just it just makes me laugh every time. And, and I like that sort of contrast as well between his level of wealth, which obviously is big, but is nothing compared to Akeem's. And I love that he's trying to like... He's trying to ridicule Akeem and he doesn't know. He's got no idea who he's dealing with. And and just, you know, I think obviously because he mentioned earlier on the, the, some of the ignorance to, to Africa and things like that. But I think he's the film's way of sort of lampooning that ignorance that some people have. And obviously and then Akeem's character is showing this guy's trying to insinuate that he plays, you know, he, he learns how to fight people by fighting tigers and lions and things when actually Akeem, it shows you earlier on in the film, is doing martial arts and, and is also extremely knowledgeable and well-read. And it's just great seeing the contrast between them and he just makes me laugh. He really does. He, he just makes me laugh so much. Now going to look at, obviously, there's so many great scenes and we've touched on some of them. Um what do you have a favourite scene, Harinda? And if so, why, please? Um, this is hard, but mm-hmm. I would go with that whole Black Appreciation Week period <laughs> that they've got. So yeah. That whole uncomfortable nature of sexual chocolate and Randy Watson, <laughs> from the point by whereby he's introduced and he kisses the Reverend, even the Reverend's like, going, "What the hell's going on here?" Yeah, and. The Reverend himself being a mix of Jesse Jackson, Jackson, sorry, Al Sharpton, and half Don King as well. <laughs> yeah, just all of that put together as a package of the whole scene from beginning to end is just hilarious. And then obviously, when you've got Randy Watson singing about the children, you just sit there and you think, <laughs> just stop, please, just stop. No, actually, don't stop. Yeah, that's hilarious. Carry on. Um, that to me has always been 
my favourite scene because oh. you get you just get so much comedy from it. Yeah, there are obviously the barbershop itself has many many little scenes, but just that whole introduction of Reverend Brown and Randy Watson, and you don't see Randy Watson again at all. But you know, he's not even mentioned after that um, in its shape or form. But it's just so brilliant because it sticks with you. And you're waiting. I wonder when he's going to come again in the film. I wonder if <laughs> yeah. he does come back. The Reverend obviously does make another appearance and says one of the lines of the whole film for me. But and we'll get to that, I'm sure. <laughs> but that whole anticipation for someone like Randy Watson to turn up again and say something or sing something even more stupid than what he did before is <laughs> just brilliant for me. It's just absolutely amazing. I, I always loved that part. Oh, no, me, me too. I, I love, I love the sort of it, it's. It's done so well because beforehand it showed you this is like the best crowd you could have. They're full of love, full of joy. They're so amped up. They would clap pretty much anything. And then he comes on <laughs> <It's> <laughs> forms, like... and they just about give a, a, a small polite clap that is so small. It, it, it's it's, a, it's an insult, really. And he even he's got so little awareness. He, he even drops his mic and does this this walk off as if like, you know, as if he's stole the show. And it's just, oh, it's just... It's the whole intro for him as well. Like he's at like some side part of a side part of a side part. <laughs> for what you did nothing <laughs> you have a nothing part of oh, a nothing part it's just like you, wow every line of that like even just as you say i think he's something like uh, he played little joe on something else some show once or something and That's then it's it. like jackson heights very own or just just <laughs> every line is just and, magical the, the most funny part is that Jackson Heights now is probably one of the most cultural melting pots. And it always has been in New York, Queens especially. So my own family that went to America and I has been to New York, they all oh, live yeah. around Jackson Heights. Even from my wife's side, they all still live around Jackson Heights. And they've watched the film and they all reference this scene as well. They all go back, <laughs> you know, seminally. And they've been in the Americas now for, um, probably for the last coming 30-odd years, 40-odd years. And and they all reference that scene as well, like saying, you know, when he mentions Jackson Heights, we all get really excited because they think that's where we're from. <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant. I, I love that. I love that little bit of, uh, you know, local knowledge and that. that it, 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 as you say, it must just add to it that they're actually living in that area. So brilliant, brilliant. What about yourself, Joe? Um, that scene's got to be my favourite as well. Aww. It's um, I, I used to rewind it and watch it back all the time. Um, just know the dialogue off by heart, um, <laughs> and it's it, it just little things are so hilarious. Like earlier was earlier I was watching it, and um, I didn't realise before. Like throughout the years, I've been I've been watching it, but today I realised that Soglo actually sponsored the event. So on the balloons, <laughs> you've got the um, you've got the Soglo logo on the balloons and on the um. You've got you've got the you've got big like black appreciation um, uh, sort of um, parade, and then you've got the Soglo um, logo after as well. It's just it's it's just absolutely hilarious. Um, I I always thought the audience were really harsh on on on, on Randy uh, because, <laughs> as you said, the, um, the 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 crowd are so amped up with um, with, with Reverend Brown's preaching. Even though he he starts by saying he's, he didn't come to preach today, and then he launches into this this big preach. Um, everyone's you know excited and jumping up. Even Aki was like, "I'm very happy to be here." Um, <laughs> Then he comes out and it's absolute crickets. It is absolute crickets and tumbleweed. And um, yeah, it's just, 
he, with, with the way he jumps the mic is hilarious and does oh. the obvious walk off. <laughs> um, yeah, he's got this. He's got the thickest skin ever. He's just um, <laughs> <laughs> and the band name Sexual Chocolate. It's just absolutely. It, it's genius, really. It like the, the 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 band. You know, the Eddie's performance. I've seen his performance, and then in in the crowd as well. It's just yeah. That scene is 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 genius. Could work. I don't get ever get tired of watching that scene. It, it, it's brilliant. Um, the the bar scene I mentioned earlier is another is another really funny scene as well. It's 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 short, but it's it's um it's a short scene, but it's it's when they're sort of meeting these different women um, coming in and out of the bar. It's just hilarious. There's some classic characters in that. The devil worshiping woman, the twins. Uh, <laughs> it's just it, and then our senior himself as the drag queen, as I mentioned earlier. It's it's yeah, it's um it's classic. Oh yes, no, I, I love both them scenes. They are just, I think they're they're the, they're the two most memorable. Definitely, I would say they're just they, they are magic. I think you could show anyone them two scenes and and they they'd laugh their head off. Another one that I like is um, the basketball game. Um, I love Daryl's arrogance and his ignorance and just sort of, you know, without knowing, uh, as mentioned before about Hakeem, he, 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 it's showing, it's showing Daryl up for exactly the, the clueless fool that he is. And I also love the uh, Patrice and her roving hands on Hakeem and, and his way of trying to get out of it by jumping up at inappropriate moments and shouting random things. It's just, oh, it's so good. No, that that's another of my favourites. I think there's uh, another one. It's it's not really a scene, but it's sort of the the sort of the punchline to a, a joke, I suppose. I love as well. Where um, obviously there's so many like this. It's got so much to it. I love that after they've uh, foiled their uh, Samuel L. Jackson's armed robbery and Mister McDowell invites them to the party. I love where where I think uh, Akeem says to Sammy, you know, see he's he, he's welcoming us in and he's seen us as equals now or something like that. And the very next shot, you see them both outside shivering, uh, helping to to park the car or whatever and it's just oh, just just perfection as so so many parts of this film are indeed I, um, the other shout I'd give out to in regards to this there's two that have also stuck to me which one as I said again it's the cultural crossover in this film that so many people have related to especially my own family and the hilarious one is where it, obviously they have their very intricate sashes and necklaces that make them stick out like a sore thumb and he goes to semi let's dress as new yorkers so they then look even more garish <laughs> in what they wear and it happens with everybody i've ever known I, I i live i think most people know from this pod and sorry from other pods as well but i grew up in southall which is west london which is massive indian asian community and during the immigration peaks um in the early 80s and late 80s and also up and down the country in general lots of people would come over and stand out like a sore thumb so you know someone's uncle someone's cousin someone's aunt someone's niece someone's nephew they'd come over they'd emigrate they'd either come to study or they'd come for work that been um there for them or anything along those lines and the first thing they would want to do is culturally acclimatize themselves and they'd always take a look at the latest fashions that were out there and things that were around them. And if you think about someone who's just come to a new country, budget and ability in regards to what you can go and spend don't always match what you see out there on the high street. So they think, all right, well, we'll kind of get by. So obviously you see Semi and um, 
Akeem decked in I love kind of New York type gear, <laughs> massive hats and everything like that. And the same thing would happen here in the UK, whereby somebody come over, all of a sudden you see them wearing the most garish Adidas type tracksuit, the most strangest of headgear and the most brightest trainers they could find <laughs> or trabs, sorry, it's a Liverpool podcast, trabs that they could find. And you'd be thinking... Yeah, what point are you going to fit in even more now? <laughs> you, you made it even more obvious that you're somebody who's not from this country. Yeah, I, I could just relate to that so much. Um, and the other one for me has always been the Rocky Marciano Joe Lewis debate. Oh. It's hilarious because their age changes at least yeah. 70, <laughs> so many times within that. But in the middle of it all, he drops the best line ever where he just turns and goes, he's better than that Mike Tyson. He looks like a bulldog. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine even thinking that or even saying that to Mike Tyson at a point in time? Yeah, like oh, 87, 88. You'd be dropped. It makes it, it, makes it even quicker funnier. than a newspaper. I think you're right. It makes it even funnier because when, when you're watching it, you are thinking, he will definitely meet Mike Tyson sometime after this film. Definitely. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, be, be, there's only so many people at that level of fame going to clubs and things in, in America. So, you know, I, I hope he had a sense of humour over it anyway, because uh, I wouldn't want to meet him after that comment. But, oh, yeah, no, just just so many, so many funny scenes and great lines, like you mentioned. The, obviously, we look more at scenes there, but continuing the great lines theme is there a, do you have a particular favorite joe um mm, what's my favorite line um the one that always used to make me giggle as a child as a, young, as a youngster watching it was that right in the early scene when he's having a bath and the um, the woman emerges from the water the raw <laughs> penis is now clean your highness <laughs> that one that was always one that got repeated at school a lot <laughs> i can imagine oh brilliant brilliant what about yourself oh uh, I, I think my all-time favorite is reverend brown so as i said reverend brown has two major parts in this film one is obviously the black appreciation week um and the second one is just after they go into the house so um as the dinner party all starts kicking off, they have the scene near the picture of his mum, or the painting of um, Lisa's mum, and he just turns around and he goes, he's talking about love, and he talks, and he turns around and he goes, if loving the Lord is wrong, then I don't ever want to be right. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> that has always got to me. Um, but Reverend Brown is some, some brilliant ones. I know there's always been this backdrop of the AI biscuit cookie argument. This has gone on for at least 18 months, two years. <laughs> what does Reverend Brown do? He goes, lady, girl, you look so good. Someone ought to put you on a plate and sop you up with a biscuit. <laughs> he doesn't say cookie. He That's says biscuit. Point. He says biscuit. I think yeah. that might win the, win the debate, really. Yeah, it does. Are you going to argue it, with Reverend Brown? I don't Reverend Brown's, if he's, if Reverend he's Brown said, said it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's enough for me. You can take that to the bank. Indeed. Oh, and Americans, he's one of yours. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it, it, there's so many. Obviously, we've mentioned the ones I probably would have chosen. And this one probably won't sound that funny, but it always tickles me. I love the bit where they've got to get a different apartment because Semi's made made the one they had look too too good with too much, you know, uh, too many gadgets and expensive things and things like that. And I love where they're the negotiating with the the, uh, 
the fellow who owns the, the apartments and, and basically he says, does your apartment look poor? And he just says, it's a real shithole. You'll look at <laughs> And it just makes me laugh, I think, purely because I love all those bits where, like, because of what they're trying to achieve, it's so different to everyone else. The, the, you know, Akeem's first preference is always for things to look worse and, and be poorer, and it's just, oh, just, just so, so funny. Yeah, there's so, many, there's, there's so many associations with that. It's like in it, like near the beginning when the cab pulls up near, near the um the apartment and the cab the cabbie says, "Is this shitty enough for you?" Aki <laughs> <laughs> says, says, "Yes, this is perfect." <laughs> <laughs> that theme, the, the way that theme is continued throughout the film is is really funny. <laughs> oh, it is, it is. Uh, obviously, we've covered so much, but obviously, we've as ever we've only got limited time, so I suppose. Before, obviously, a couple of more things to discuss, but are there any characters or scenes or lines or anything like that that we haven't mentioned that you'd like to mention that, you'd, you know, if, if we ended the pod without you mentioning it, you'd think, I wish we'd mentioned that. Is, have, do you have anything, Corinne, there? Um, I've got a couple. We've got to give a shout-out to James Earl's journalist. Obviously, he's King oh, Jaffe yeah. Joffa. He was previously Darth Vader, and the most Darth Vader thing he ever does is as he leaves the restaurant, yeah. He says to um, Lisa's dad, do not alert him to my presence. I'll deal with him myself. Oh. What a flashback. What oh, yeah. a flashback to um, Star Wars as a whole. Yeah. yeah. And th- that made me laugh. And also in the credits, if you ever read the credits really carefully, one of the things that it says in there, it says that the, Zam- the Zamundan Film Commission is thanked. There is no Zamundan Film Commission. There is no Zamundan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> Just little yeah. things like that. Um, but... I think also the the link with John Landis again in Trading Places and Randolph oh, and Mortimer, we're back. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. But yeah, them, th- th- them, those would be them, the big ones for me. Them things are like, to me, particularly, particularly the, the Star Wars callback and the the Trading Places characters, uh, as you mentioned, they, they're like the type of things, when I watch a film, a, 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 a comedy, they're the types of things where, as a, as a fanboy, you, 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 it's almost like wish fulfillment. It's like the type of thing you think, I wish that could happen. Wouldn't it be boss? And this film does it in so many ways, like, in particular them two. And it's just, it's just magical. It's just everywhere you look in this film, there's a bit of gold, you know, the, the, in uh, uh, so many different ways. And oh, it's just, just so, so good. What about yourself, Joe? Yeah, I was going to mention the um, the link to trading places. I I, I love that because um, I'm really a big fan of trading places as well. Um, so the way they linked it and even played the um, the score from trading places as well. One thing when when you meet when you meet them as as tramps, um, <laughs> and um, another thing was um, the basketball scene when he was recognised in the um, in the oh, restroom yeah. by the two um, natives of Zamunda. <laughs> Brilliant, and. Um, I think Daryl and, and 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 the rest of them would catch up with him while the two guys are bowing. And the way <laughs> you said something earlier, where you know, great comedy, you don't really have to have lines; it's just the look, the look on Daryl's oh, face yeah. when he, when he sees the two guys <laughs> bowing. <laughs> He's absolutely hilarious. Um, <laughs> who are those guys? Oh, just the guy I met in the in the restroom. Um, and we haven't spoke we haven't spoken much about about the King Jaffe Joffa um, character. I think it's a brilliant performance by James oh, L. Jones. Yeah. Really convincing. Um, and it's when he, he he actually comes to to America 
and he's walking around the um, he's walking around the whole the the motel, and he can't believe that like, his son's living in such squalor. He looks at the photograph. My son works. Uh, it's um, it's it's hilarious, absolutely hilarious. But yeah, his his character is really strong as well. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I thought I'd, I'd give that a mention. Oh, I'm glad you both mentioned him because obviously he's he, he's such a legend and he's so good in this. And obviously he's normally more more remembered for more serious roles and obviously obviously most famously as Darth Vader, which obviously he's fantastic at. But I love the fact in this as well as having that because he's just got that presence, that commanding presence anyway. But I love the fact this film gave him the chance to show how funny he is as well. So like the bit that always stands out to me is the face he pulls when uh, I think uh, Akeem says something like... uh, I can't remember the exact line, but he says something that gives him the impression that Achim doesn't know about as never is a virgin. And uh, I think he said the face he pulls when he says, I, I thought you always had, I thought you had sex with your babies. I know I do. And he does this little laugh on this face and it just oh, it cracks me up every time he does it. And, you know, it just shows you James Earl Jones. He, he, he could do anything, you know, just so, so, so talented. And, you know, Add so much to this film. You know, I just thought I just thought of a scene, and I was gonna I, I, I'll pinch myself if I don't mention it. It's when um, Mr. McDowell right realizes um, just how rich Akeem is um, when he has the parents in his house, and um, Daryl comes to the house. <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple of times when he keeps running to the door and running back, and there's one one occasion when he trips on the stairs. And it absolutely it is com it's comic genius. Uh, oh, I yeah. wet myself every time I see it. But it's the it's the, it's like the childhood excitement, right? <laughs> his his daughter's <laughs> hit the jackpot. <laughs> and how how quick he flips the switch on Daryl. Daryl's gone from being you know with the blue eyed boy in his eyes to now he you know he's chased them and I think he sets the dog on him at one Just point. The dog on him. <laughs> <laughs> It's just funny how how quick he turns and just uh, John Amos again another you know right the way through this film everybody knocks it out of the park just yeah it's oh, no. I'm glad you, I'm glad you gave him some love as well because it was just it was just brilliant his performance too uh, that takes us really to our final question I've really enjoyed this it's it's been a great laugh um, obviously Eddie Murphy said. At times he's been working on a sequel. Would that be something you'd want to see, or do you think they should leave well alone, Joe? Uh, leave well alone. It's been almost thirty years since um, since since this one. And um, as you mentioned that right at the beginning of of the pod, his um his career as a sort of lead actor is taking a bit of a of a dip. I mean, Shrek was brilliant, um, but uh, it's quite different, isn't it? Just doing doing the voiceover to an animated character. Mm-hmm. Um, Beverly Hills Cop 3 was a big time was a big flop for me and um, it wasn't even that many years after Beverly Hills Cop 2 but just just as a film it just was nowhere near as good as the originals I could see this going down a similar line where you know I think it would ruin the legacy uh, not ruin the legacy but maybe tarnish the legacy of, you know rather than um, enhance it so no I, I would I would appreciate <laughs> like him not not to do a um, not to do a a, a part two. It, it'd be interesting to see if if they would if anyone wanted to sort of do a remake of it of of, of the original, but not not a sequel. No, no, no. I hear you. I hear you. What about you, Harinda? 
Um, I'm with Kazi on this one. I mean, look, in the 90s, it kind of all just came crashing down for him, right? I think he, did, he made Boomerang, and that wasn't exactly a great film, although the Boys to Men song has probably done significantly better than a film ever could. Um, and then he just made some really stupid films like, like Vampire in Brooklyn, Beverly Hills Cop 3, like you mentioned, and Thousand Words. There's just so many strange films that he's done after that. And you guys have nailed it. I mean, Eddie Murphy's most noted comeback in movies was as the voice of Donkey and Shrek. That's enough said, right? The last film I truly recall him being good in is a little-known film called Bowfinger, which is a gem of a movie with Steve Martin, which is centred around Steve Martin making a B-movie with an A-list fil- um, um, film star, and he does it by filming around him without him truly realising it. That's the last one I can remember. I sat there rip-roaringly laughing my head off. Um because I had Eddie Murphy, also had Charles Murphy in it as well, oh. playing um, Eddie's double at times. I, I just don't think there's a, a scope for it. I've heard that there's going to be a Beverly Hills Cop 4. I've heard that they look, we're working on something else called Triplets, which is which has got Eddie Murphy in it, and uh, tying in with Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger as well. But you just sit there and think, you know, sometimes some seminal movies should just be left alone. And this is one of them that you just sit there and go, yeah, you know what? Leave it be. Because... I don't know how you can recreate that chemistry again. It's too long. I I think you both summed up my thoughts perfectly there. I'd leave well alone. There's no reason to risk tarnishing this, so I hope they do leave well alone. Um, That brings us to the end of the show. I've I've had a great time, and uh, I'd like to thank you both for coming on and thank everybody for listening. Where can people find uh, more of your thoughts and your any work or podcasts or anything to plug, Harinda? Um, most of my stuff you'll find on the AI channels and also the AI um, app as well for under the Desi podcast. Also, a few a cameo appearance with our very own Nina Kauser on one of her videos and some of the Yarrow stuff. Um, but on the whole, there's no new plugs from myself other than that during the off season. There'll always be a special few Desi episodes as there have been in the previous years. So to look out for those in June and July. I hope everything Karinda said there. Please check out the, you know, please download the app and check out the channel. There's so much content, you know. It, obviously, there's a hell of a lot of great football content, but there's, you know, um, not just not just by podcasters also, as you mentioned, the videos by Nina and Yarrow, well worth a watch. I think the you'd really enjoy them if you check them out on AI TV. You've also got content the likes of uh, AI Audible, you know, Trev Downey uh, narrating all the articles, which is well worth checking out. And all the non-football stuff as well outside, you know, the likes of the comic pods and obviously the movie pod. You've got Flipbook looking at the likes of Toy Story hosted by Kay. So there's so much content. Please download the app and have a have a try of these different things. I'm sure there'll be something there you would like. What about yourself, Joe? Have you got anything to plug or? No, nothing specific, really. Just a, sort of similar to what um, Herinda said. Just yeah, keep keep your eye out on on the um, you know on the site and on the app. And I'm sure I'll be on the odd um, podcast um, during the um, the off season. Um, and they're working on a couple of articles as well to drop in the summer. Um, but yeah, not nothing super specific um, at, at the moment. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure you you'll hear my voice soon. One of these shows. 
I look look forward to hearing more of you both on on the, on the different podcasts through the summer. Um, thanks once again to you both for coming on. I've really enjoyed tonight, and thanks to anybody who listens. I really appreciate it. If you have any feedback or any suggestions for films, it's always welcomed. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Joe Simpson seventy nine or at AI Movie Night. Thank you. for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place with linkedin you can hire professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.